What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler. And uh, everybody get ready for a very oh boy. depressing slash possibly angry episode of the Grindline Podcast. I got a good beer tonight, at least, Ryan, for this one. KBS Cinnamon Vanilla Cocoa. And vanilla cocoa. Yep. This one was from 2019 or 2020, 2021. Nope. This was last year's cinnamon okay. vanilla cocoa. It is delicious. And I feel like I need a good beer for an episode that is just all about pain. But how are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. We had a good weekend. Uh, the first day we ended up uh, going to one of the regionals here in Worcester for the NCAA tournament. Ended up running into names such as Pierre Maguire, John Butchergrass got a picture taken with um, the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who was randomly there. Didn't he just sign someone from that, the tournament over the weekend? He, uh, he I, I don't know if he's signed anybody, but that Matthew Nyes kid, who is, I think, a winger on the first line from Minnesota, is a really good player. And I believe he was drafted in the second round by the Maple Leafs. So he, that's why he was there. That's for Pierre Maguire. He's scouting for Ottawa. But no, we, we had a good trip. And uh, then actually we ended up, on Sunday, we ended up driving to Pennsylvania to see Michigan play uh, in the regional final against Quinnipiac, which <laughs> I don't know if y'all saw it, but Michigan almost blew a four nothing lead. So, but that team just has talent. It oozes talent. Um, you know, a, a lot of those guys are going to be at the next level. So hockey there at the end. Yeah, I think, you know, what? that's that's really a good point. I, th- I think that they kind of they went up four nothing. They're like, yeah, we got this game in the bag. They really didn't play that great of a game. It, it, to begin with, and they still scored seven goals. So, but that's so Michigan. Anyways, how'd you, how was your guys' this weekend? It was a lot better when not watching the Red Wings. Oh, God. And even Tampa, like that, they played such a solid game. And then as soon as it was four minutes to go and they went on a penalty kill, I was like, it's going to happen now. It's going to end in pain. And sure enough, they tied it and then lost in overtime. So I was watching that game at Ryan's house. We have the two TVs set up. He had the Bruins game on the big TV. The wings were on the smaller TV, still pretty big. And uh, his dad walks in the room. He's like, oh, you guys need to win this game because we want to try and pass Tampa and keep passing them and, you know, keep, you know, putting points on them. And sure as shit, as soon as he walks in the room, Tampa ties it. He stays in for overtime and they fucking score. I'm like, you motherfucker, stay out of the room. But uh, yeah, no, that's that game was was uh, a good game. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. But yeah, we're, we're not. Yeah. Been three games of just utter debauchery. And yep. I don't even know if you can count Philly as a good win because it was Philly. I mean, that's pretty much what we're going to talk about tonight. It's just. The Red Wings, they show up. They look oh, really good. Fuck? Yeah, they look really good. And then they just the next game, zero energy. The defense is back to garbage. Mo did not have a good game. That was probably one of his worst games of the season. But I mean, it's going to happen because he's still a kid. And like you put all this pressure on him because he's been so good and he's going to remain that good. But he's allowed to have a bad game. But when he has a bad game, other people need to step up. And it's like when he has a bad game, there's zero defense. That's a huge issue, but we're going to talk about, do we want to talk about the Tampa game first and then go into the yeah, Pittsburgh game? A quick recap of the week. I mean, Billy, they won six to three. Yep. Was, they looked good. Very good. Four top competition. They came back to reality against the Islanders a couple of nights later. 
lost that one five to two. I mean, that one I didn't really have a chance to sit down and watch, so it was kind of whatever. But I mean, they they still competed decently, I, at least I felt. And then they had the Tampa game, where again they played probably one of their more solid games against one of the top teams in hockey, but collapsed at the end. Yep. Like it's like clockwork. Yeah, I mean the Tampa. I think that's what really Tampa was having a bad stretch there. They were yeah, they lost what three or four straight coming into the three game, three in a row coming into that game. And you were playing an angry Tampa team and they played yep. really well against an angry Tampa team all the way up until overtime. And I mean, that was from a sellout crowd. Yeah. A bad penalty at the end of the game led to a goal. Bert basically slew foot the guy. That's oh, basically yeah. what it was. And like we, as Zadina took a bad penalty too. There's a couple of calls we were bitching about. I think at the end of the third, that definitely shouldn't have been called on both sides. And then you come into the, overtime period and you're just like well you can't even bitch about that one so i didn't see the islanders game uh at all other than the score i did see some of the highlights and stuff not a great game the philly game i saw pretty much all of and then the tampa game i saw all of and that was just like you you could feel it coming uh mostly because the group chat that we have ryan mario kind of He's like, yeah, you're not going to keep that team scoreless. And and sure as shit, you know, they scored to tie it. And then, you know, the overtime winner. Yeah. But the referees, the, the, like, I hate to blame a game on a referee. But some of those calls, it's just like some of the calls that they, they didn't make earlier in that game. And then they want to call that with, what was it, five minutes left or something like that. It's like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And then you call a penalty in overtime. No consistency. Yeah, there's no consistency. Like I understand wanting to let the guys play uh, because we're getting closer to the playoffs and that's, that's kind of how excuse. the game is played in the playoffs. But if you're not going to call something early in the game, then why are you going to call it late in the game? Stop influencing the game. I thought the um, like Super Bowl, the officiating was yeah, exactly like the Super Bowl. But you know, and then of course the refereeing in that game had a lot to do with it too. But but at the end of the day, it's like. You can't you can't not call something early in the game and then because because you feel like it needs to be called late in the game. Uh, it's no just, more that's, makeup that's, calls. That's what you're saying. If that's you, never going to happen, by the shit never out. going to sure. happen. If you fuck up a call, own it. It's your bad. You fucked up a call. Don't call something on the other team because you messed up. There's no searching for a problem or calling something because you think it kind of looked like that. There's, you should never do makeup calls. Own your shit. I do agree with you there. I wish, you know, there, there was a world where there was no makeup calls, but that would be virtual officials. And I don't think that's happening anytime soon. It'll happen anyways. in baseball. I do understand in, in the world of hockey that most of the time when you have two straight power plays, which the Wings did, they had two power plays with an opportunity to put that game on ice, and they did not. And then the other team, you know, I mean, the penalty itself was, was horrible, but I can understand they're looking for a penalty. You got, you have to, when you have two power plays and you don't score on them, you, you have to defend well. And if you, most of the time you're getting, you're getting pressured because you're, you're up a goal and you know, 
you got to be perfect and you can't take stupid penalties. And that one wasn't stupid. I understand, but it was unfortunate, but it's just like, it's inconsistency, I guess is the best way to put it. And and it can't happen. And, uh, you know, unfortunately that cost the wings the game, but I think Tampa probably would have scored anyways. I think they were carrying play for the latter 10 minutes of that game. So I would say the Tampa game besides Philly was the best game we'd played during that stretch. We mm-hmm. played solid hockey consistently during that game. Now, before we get into the really painful part of tonight, I want to give a shout out to the newly formed Detroit Red Wings community on Twitter. If you have not joined, uh, you can check our timeline. There will be a post promoting it. Hop in there. We've got over 833 members right now. We have bypassed the Barstool community, which is pretty funny. But it's a great place where a bunch of like-minded people come just to talk hockey, cleans up your timeline. We have a lot of fun in there. So, yep, go in there. Check out the Detroit Red Wings community on Twitter. Like I said, just check our timeline, and there is a link in there to join. And then we go to Pittsburgh. The only points I will make is the second half of a back-to-back, which generally you're a little more tired. Uh, Fuck up number one. Why are you playing Ned two nights in a row? That doesn't make any sense to me. Me either, because you know who played well against Pittsburgh last time? Calvin Pickard. You're Calvin Pickard, yeah, not Thomas Grice, because he was out then too. Yeah, so you brought picks up because Grice is sick, and you decide you're going to start Ned on the second night of a back-to-back. To me, it makes zero sense. Why, why would you do Did you think because it was a noon game, he got a little bit more rest, so he'd be fine? That doesn't make any sense to me. So that was Blash mistake number one was starting Ned on the second night of a back-to-back after he had already played. It was a fucking just toss-up for people to, that already are fed up with Jeff Blaschel yep. to just absolutely destroy him even more by doing something like that. Ned already faced a hell of a game and had to play out of his mind against Tampa. Yeah, another high, highlight reel save in that game by flopping Mm -hmm. on his back, getting the arm reached out across, pulling another Hoshik style move. And then you throw him out there against one of the other hottest teams in hockey in Pittsburgh and expect him to do it all again, which it was obvious from the start. The team was tired. If I mean, tired is a way to put it, but they just weren't there in comparison, which doesn't make any sense because you would think from the start, you knew it was going to be that kind of game. It's just, it's embarrassing. It's, I, I get that you're going to come out a little bit slow at times on a back-to-back and blah, 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 but there's no reason for it. You know, I, I woke up this morning and I kind of rolled over and I saw someone say that's embarrassing and people tweeting about Jeff Blaschel being hopefully being fired and all this other shit. So then I went to my NHL app. I'm like, something must have happened here because uh, I guess I just didn't check my alerts or whatever last night. And I look, I'm like 11 to two. I'm like, God, it's just, that can't happen. I'm sorry. Like this, this getting blown out needs to stop. It needs to stop. For the record, Jeff Blaschel is not going to get fired. Um, No, not this year. No, there's no, the point that we are at right now, there is no reason to fire Jeff Blaschel because there you got what? 15, 16 games left. Yeah. So firing him now, even just to send a message, you would have had to do that 10, 15 games ago in order to to send a message. I mean, unless you want a head start on next year. Sure. Well, you're not going to get a head start. You are going to get an interim coach that's just going to finish out the season. And then the coaching search will start in the offseason. Once other coaches are fired or you're allowed to talk to other teams, because 
probably if you're looking at a guy like Lane Lambert, he's right now, I believe, with the Islanders. You can't talk to anyone until the season is over because they're under contract. Unless you get permission. Sure, but most no teams are really going to give permission midseason while, while games are still going on to talk to people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If you're looking at within the league, then you're going to wait until the offseason anyways. And same with overseas. Those guys are still playing too. The SHL and the other leagues are still playing. Now they do finish before we do. But at that point, we may have five, six, seven games left. And again, there's no point in uh, in in messing anything up at that point just to fire him early. So you can still talk to other coaches without before firing the coach you currently have. Yeah, unless you're talking to someone on a team, I think you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And you're generally going to be talking to someone on a team. You're not bringing in some rando. But there's some interesting stats that I kind of wanted to go over that the Great. Red Wings have. Interesting is is a fun word to use. Painful, uh, terrible. Dmitry Filipovic from uh, EP, EP Ringside. Yeah. Does the Detroit Red Wings have now had games this season where they have given up 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11 goals against? We have run the gamut from zero goals against all the way to 11 in every right number. Here 12. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So who do we got uh, to finish out the season? Yeah. Prashant says the most time switching goalies this season, including double and triple switches. Detroit leads the league with 14. Montreal is in second with 12, followed by a tie for third. Colorado and San Jose with 11 and New Jersey with 10. Worst goals against per game played in the last 25 years. Also from Prashant. Uh, number one is the 99-2000 Atlanta Thrashers with a goals against of 382. Number two is the 21-22 Detroit Red Wings with a goals against of 380. Now here is uh, is what I like. Number three is the 0506 Pittsburgh Penguins with a 3.78. Now that was 0506, and they became a really good team within the next couple of years. So there's that one. I had one more per a request to Prashant. The Red Wings cumulative goal differential versus the rest of the NHL since Blashill took over in 2015-2016 has gone steadily down. We are uh, approaching the negative 400 goal differential since Blashill became coach. It's um, it's bad. And uh, like I said, we had defended Blashill for a long time. And very long time. And again, you still need your players to perform to their level. But since the all-star break, and even maybe a little bit before, the game management is just completely gone. There's no game management. No game, no mid-game decisions are made. No change in play style is made. All he'll do is activate his blender and hope changing the lines fixes something. And it's not going to fix anything. Yeah, I mean, the, the way I look at it, I mean, obviously, you know, at this point, it's probably a mute, moot point, um, you know, with firing them. But I mean, I bringing him back next year, I'm starting to think that 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 is negligent if you bring him back next year. That is absolutely negligent if you bring him back this year. And now we talk about decisions that Steve Eisenman has made. That would be one where I would start to question with that one. I'm not saying that, you know, that, that, that would mean, you know, the end for Steve Eisenman or anything crazy like that. So don't, don't think that I'm saying that. But that bringing him back 
is absolutely negligent. And that makes absolutely no sense, especially given the fact that this season, yes, at the beginning, it was better. And now it's starting to become more of the same bullshit of last season. And that just, I'm sorry, that can't happen. It's, it's, it's unacceptable. Teams cannot perform like that in the national hockey league. He can't be back next year. He cannot be back next year. I mean, from the beginning of the season, what most analysts said, the Red Wings were bottom five team. And we kind of knew, I said closer eight to 10. um, And bottom five would have been what was predicted because of how bad we were last season. But uh, they overperformed the first half of the season. Yes, I will give them that. They are, and it's not even that they're performing to the level that people thought they were post all-star break. They are performing well below because their team by all other aspects is a better team. You have two, possibly three of the top rookies in the league. If you count Ned when he's having a good night, which is most nights. I mean, Ned did bounce back from his, the few bad starts that he had. He had a couple good starts, like really, really good starts. And then you going to completely ruin his confidence again by throwing him in on the second game of a back-to-back. So that's fun. What? Since we're on the topic of numbers. Yeah. 1920, historically awful season for the Detroit Red Wings. Yep. 17 wins. Defensively. This team has been worse. And there's better players on this team. So I, I did the comparison. I made it through 66 games for the 1920 season because they only played 71. Through 66 games, they've allowed two more goals and have just a bit high. Granted, the goal diff is better at 64, minus 64 compared to minus 119. So they're scoring goals, which has obviously helped them. Yeah. But they've allowed two more goals in what was one of their, the worst seasons ever in hockey through the same amount of games. Because of these blowout games. Or you just keep yep. flip-flopping goalies and both goalies are having a bad night. I mean, the biggest difference is obviously, like you said, the wins, but they have, sure. they have 189 goals for versus 132 in 1920. I mean, you got to think too, Grice is worse. Like it gets really, really bad. He's um, horrible. Ned had a few bad starts. We were blown. We've been blown out several times this season. We've been blown out by two teams that you, you, those should be two points. And I'm not saying that this team is, is ready to win yet or anything like that, but the teams that they've been blown out by Montreal twice, Arizona. I mean, that cannot happen. I'm sorry. That cannot happen for a team that's supposed to be ascending and making themselves better. That, that can't happen. You, yeah. There's no reason you should have been blown out by the Canadians. There's absolutely no reason for that. And there's absolutely zero reason you should have been blown out by the Coyotes. They were blown out by Montreal twice this year. Twice. Yeah. And Montreal, by all accounts, is not a good team. I mean, they're no. better now with uh, Martin St. Louis behind the bench. But they're still not a great team. Iserman did kind of maybe reveal his hand a little bit in his uh, press conference following the trade deadline when Helene St. James went off track and asked about Jeff Blaschel because they were supposed to be asking about trade deadline. And she's like, what about Blaschel? And Iserman kind of roasted her for a second before saying that the past six weeks have something to the effect of they have not been good. Uh, and that it is a discussion that they will have in the off season 
I, I to a lot of people, and I kind of picked up on it too. He almost made it sound like he is not pleased. And if Iserman, in the press box this season. Oh, when they yeah. showed the and last if Iserman's not happy, I mean, Blash is gone. There's no reason. Iserman is going to turn this team into a, a winner because that's what he's brought here to do. That's what he did in Tampa. And if you have a coach that's getting blown out, uh, letting teams put in 11, not changing, not showing any kind of emotion on the bench, uh, just kind of doing lazy talks to the guys. I mean, we even noticed it when he was trying to get back after one of the previous blowouts and no one on the bench was listening to him. Literally Bertuzzi was looking at him and everyone else was doing something else. So before we move on to the last section of the night, I just need to read a quick message from our sponsor, DraftKings. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It kind of brings us to the next point where uh, apparently Frank Saravelli on the DFO rundown said that he has heard that there is considerable friction between Blash and some of the younger players, to which I responded with, if this is true and guys like Bert, Larks, and Verona are upset, then he's gone. Like, if you're upsetting the core, what Iserman has kept and brought in to take this team to the next level, you cannot have a coach that's pissing them off. There is no way that's going to happen. So you've got to get, if, if you're losing the room like that and you're losing the core players, then gone. And the players are pissed because he refuses to adapt mid game. And he keeps There's shuffling. There's been no lines. adjustments all season. Nothing. Zadina plays good for three games in a row. You know how you reward him? Fourth line minutes. I'd be pissed. It makes no sense to me. I mean, his decision-making Ever since he really took over, I mean, I know you can't really criticize him for for some stuff, but like, I mean, it goes back to other situations. Like, is it he benched Dennis Chalowski on his birthday, where where he was in Vancouver, which is basically his home. You're not going to let that guy play. Wasn't it also like his bobblehead night or something? Yeah, he did that on his yeah. bobblehead night and on his birthday. <laughs> like, he I just mean, in Vancouver, where his family was at. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's just a fucking prick move to do. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the guys think of him. I mean, the, I believe Frank Saravalli, if, if the players aren't happy with him, I, I, I would say that. Um, now, but Frank, I would does also... say, Frank does say some of the younger players and people automatically jumped on the it's Mo and Raymond. And it's not the young guys like that really can't have much of, of a, of a say either way on it because they're new to the league and just learning. Uh, he's got to be talking about guys like Larkin and, and, and Bertuzzi. Totally. Yeah. I mean, especially Larkin and especially, Bert- I mean, bo- probably both of them really. I mean, if you think about it, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. If you have friction like that and if it's real, he needs to be gone. He needs to be gone. 
Yeah, because you they're, can't ruin what they're building. They're building something special. Um, obviously, we've talked about how long it's going to take and everything like that. We're on the way. But you have to kind of do, and I, I hate to make the comparison between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Wings, but you have to do what Shanahan did when he first came in. Oh, they're no, mad at Shanahan no, now too. No, no, you don't. No, you don't have to come in and, and napalm the whole hockey operation like Shanahan did. I think Eiserman has has brought on a lot of guys. I think he's done a good job of of getting rid of the guys that he didn't like and keeping some of the guys that was here even under Ken Holland. Um, but like, if something is making the operation not go properly, he the, the whatever the culprit is needs to be gone. Whether it be a player whether it be a staff member, whether it be um, a coach on the coaching staff. So, I I mean, like I said before, this is not something that's going to go away. Uh, This is this hot seat's going to continue. And does his contract is up after this season, correct? Uh, So there were talks that it was a two year contract, but Iserman said he was not going to reveal the terms of the deal. So we don't know how long it was. Shocker. Yeah. You can only assume at this point that it's been the same or similar in a one, one plus one. Yeah. My, my assumption would be that he does the one year with a second year option. If the coach performs well. So, yeah, well, <laughs> we, we know what that's looks like at this point and it's, it's not good. So like I said before that there, if you're going to make a change, obviously it's probably going to come in the off season. Um, so that way you can do like a real coaching search. And I mean, it's got to be a top five coaching position in the league. Top oh, yeah. three, maybe. Yeah. Maybe even the so. top one. For what they've got coming in. For what they and got what coming they have in. Now. Yeah. For what they got coming in, what they have now. I mean, it, it, to me, it would certainly be. Yeah. Top, top three, top five, maybe even the number one at this point. So I mean, top five. Cause I don't know who else is expiring contracts. So, right. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you got, you got to make, you got to make moves and you know, if something's not making the operation go forward, you have to kind of cut ties. And, and I think if it is one of those situations where, uh, you know, he does have an option, then it's, it makes kind of a clean break, really. I mean, it's not something you just say, oh, yep, we're not renewing the contract or we're not going to pick up the option and he can go and coach wherever. Brian, you were in the Army. What happens uh, if, if someone's limb is beyond repair and you're in the middle of the field? What do you do with it? Tourniquet on. Cut it off, Ryan. I mean, that's if you really have to, but I'm putting a tourniquet on it first. So uh, <laughs> have we put the tourniquet on Jeff Blaschel? Uh, I think it's about ready to pop off. So yes. Yeah. So that's what we have to do. We have to cut off the limb. You have to get rid of what is really hampering the development and not to say that Blash is hampering really. So what we've said is Blash has, has developed players like Tyler Bertuzzi, who no one really thought when Tyler Bertuzzi was drafted, that he was going to become what he's become. Right. Like, for right. what he what he was in juniors and, and what he did up until now. Dylan Larkin developed spectacularly well. He's having a career season. He's not hurt. That you could say that was kind of expected for what Dylan Larkin is. Michael Rasmussen is doing better now. Zadina minus points has been a great player. It's 
I have no issue with the development job that Jeff Blaschel has done. People will point to oh, Dennis Chalowski. Okay, he that was a bad pick. He yeah, was not chosen in the fucking first place. Bad pick. Yep. Um, you can't look the at contract. Yeah, you can't really look at the draft choices where they just didn't pan out because those are Ken Holland moves and those people like like you said, Chalowski shouldn't have been picked there. I have no issue with that. My issue is game management. My issue is refusal to adapt. My issue is line blender and not in seeing that things are working and then immediately switching them the next game or dump back to dump and chase. My fucking Lord, how long are we going to dump and chase the puck? How long are we going to have a power play, get to the line and dump it in? What like, that needs to stop. That needed to stop weeks ago. That needed yeah. to stop months ago, years ago. Especially, uh, like, I feel like I've I've listened to certain podcasts, um, and you you kind of listen to the, the one that kind of sticks out was the TJ Oshie podcast with Smith and Chicklets, where he was talking about playing for um, the St. Louis Blues, and how Hitchcock was a good coach, but he hampered his development because. He wouldn't let him, you know, do the things that he does well, carry the puck into the zone. He thought that, you know, by Oshi getting the line, dumping it in, he was better at getting the puck instead of, you know, skating it in. Now, I think that's an older way of looking at things. I think that, you know, you still do have opportunities where you want to chip it in behind and, and go in and get it. Sure. But, but you don't have to do I mean, that every single time. That shouldn't yeah. be your game plan. Exactly. Yeah, that shouldn't be your power play game plan either. No, no. You should like we the the word of the night is going to be negligent. <laughs> that, it is negligent. I'll just make that the title of the episode. Negligent. That's, that's right. That's point, right. Yeah. It is negligent to dump the puck in on the power play. That's a cardinal sin. When did that become okay? Because I remember a long time ago, like that. That's not something you do. You don't dump the puck in on the power play unless you're changing and you you want to you have a, a four checker ready to go into the zone and you're changing. That's the only time. But even then, I mean, just carry the puck or rag it back a little bit and wait for your guys to come on the ice. To me, it makes no sense. And I don't understand why they do it at, at five on five. I mean, unless, you know, obviously you don't have numbers and you're trying to change out or whatever. I, I, there's still a, a part in the game for dumping the puck in. I just don't think it's all the time. You don't need to dump the puck in when you have a three on two. So your two plumbers can get in the corner and, you know, muck it up. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, unless you're like the LA Kings or something, you know, from 2012, but again, that's almost 10 years ago now. So yeah. Can I ask a question? Why is Jordan Osterley on the penalty kill? Why is he on this team? Uh, That's a better question. Why is, he, have, why is he running the point on the power play? Why is he playing with Mo Sider? Why is why he playing is, top competition? Why is who has been more impressive in four games than Osterley all season in a Jake Wallman not playing with Sider? He hasn't earned his stripes yet. Jake Wallman right now is probably our best left D on the team. Yeah, yeah and I don't really think it's close like either. I mean, it. I mean, Mark Stahl. I'd rather give him the opportunity. Stahl's sure. hurt, which fucking sucks. And now that shows, it's 
Stahl, who is not the best defensive defenseman. Stahl, who has been all season stat-wise an offensive juggernaut on the defensive line, it has been one of our better defensemen all season. But why not? Wallman has shown. Wallman and Sunquist come in. He's aggressive. And they're two of the better players on our team. Yeah. And like, how insane is that? One, Sunquist, three points in four games, gritty guy getting in the corners. We talked about it with Max showing up, playing good hockey. I mean, Wallman coming in, making good plays, joining the rush, jumping in, shooting the puck. He can skate, showing he's not afraid to shoot the puck, which is another thing that's fantastic. Because yeah. Mo checking. Even Moe's been hesitant. Like he's been shooting the last game. He shot the puck a yep. lot and I fucking loved it because yeah. you're talking yeah. about the Pittsburgh game or you're talking the about Pittsburgh game. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah, Moe's got a rocket. And Wallman, I think maybe has like inspired him because ever since he's joined the team, Moe's been shooting more. Yep. It's great. And, and like I said, Wallman has been, I would say impressive. He's been, I think impressive. ULAV has been mad. I would agree. I, I would, and I don't mind it because you know what? The Dude, other point know, I brought up on Twitter yeah. is Jeff Blaschel's player utilization Sucks. has been absolute and shit. blows. We got uh, Ali Ulevi off waivers. He didn't play him for like a week. He, I know it's people like, oh, he's waiting for the trade deadline for people to go then to play him, but no, get him in, get him reps. His problem is he's been injured and he doesn't have enough play time. So you know what you need to do with this. those players? You need to play them. Let me ask you this. And, and you know, I, I probably know the answer the, to this, but I just want to make sure that that this is this is where you guys are at too. Why is Philip Zadina on the fourth line and you have guys like Sam Gagne and Adam Ernie and Oscar Sundquist ahead of him? So why? If, if this if you would have asked me this before last week, I probably would have given you a different answer. So uh, Zadino is sick and he might still be sick, but playing through it. Uh, I think Rasmussen was also sick, um, though Rasmussen has gotten more fourth line minutes lately, maybe to limit his ice time. Um, but if he's not sick, like I said, there's absolutely no excuse because you know who is playing really good with Larkin and Raymond? Philip Zadino. Zadino. Yep. You know who's yep. old and should not be playing with Larkin and Raymond? Sam Gagne. Adam yeah. Ernie, that's another one. Adam Ernie is there a guy on this right team? Now. Like, I, I hate calling guys out because I know you know they're part of the game and they work hard and everything like that. We're not we're not taking that away from them. But Adam Ernie hasn't done a goddamn thing all season long. No, not even remo- remotely close to no. He a has, shell of what he was last year. I have never seen a player that like when you have a two on one or you have like a one on one where he needs to beat someone wide, he can't do it. He, he physically cannot do it. What I don't about know if he's his, not fast enough. What about well, his spinorama pass to no one? Oh dude. my God. He just spun around and flung the puck to center ice. There was no one there. He didn't even you look. Mean, you are not Dylan to, Larkin. Like, you mean to tell me, and I know Steve, you know, did he draft him? He drafted him. Ernie, so, yeah. 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 Steve drafted him. He has a little allegiance to him. You can't tell me that there's not two or three players on this team, or sorry, two or three players on the Grand Rapids team that could come and work just as hard, make less money, and also probably produce more. 
Yeah. Chase Pearson. Yeah, they, they are, but he's also watching, seeing Grand Rapids actually compete for something and not going to destroy yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I mean, he brought in point. Chase Pearson to play games, and Chase Pearson didn't really look out of place. No. And I'd give him a shot over Adam Ernie. Hiroshi's looked good okay anyone. too, I think. I'd, I'd have Hiroshi in. He's looked great. Yeah. yeah. I, don't know if, I don't know if great's the right word, but he's looked good. He's, he's looked better than Adam there. Ernie. He's a smart playmaker. He, he had some, a few gaps, but I think that was more or less him getting comfortable again at the level. Yep. But no. Anyway. I, I know he's the easy scapegoat, but Ernie has not been good. Oh, no, no. he's been horrible. He's been and absolutely like, horrible. And you know how you know the reward he gets for being horrible? Second Top line. Top six minutes. Top six minutes on the Detroit. I wonder why the guys have a bone to pick with him or they don't like him or whatever the the Frank Saravalli said. No wonder why. Because it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense to play Adam Ernie more than Philip Sedina. No. Like they look so good going into the uh All-Star break. All-Star break. Yeah. And they have not recovered or figured it out since then. No. And it's not for them to figure out. I mean, it partly is because they're the ones on the ice going in, shooting, scoring, all that stuff, defending, whatever. But a decent part of it is also in-game management. And if, if, if Blash managed the game well and they still lost because of the players, that's a different story. But you're not putting them in the position to succeed. It doesn't look like they're out there shutting guys down because of the system they've put in place. What, you can maybe argue that with Tampa, what, but they've been playing like system? garbage. What yeah. system, that's Ryan? That's what I'm saying. You don't know. We There's don't no know. system. The system that we used to think that this was going to become was one where the forwards were high-flying, the defense could get the puck up quickly, um, oh. and, and occasionally the defense would join the rush. And, and you know, we you know, talked about the start of the year based off the roster structure. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And that, that I mean, it's shown flashes, kind of like the Michigan speed and space offense that Josh Gaddis um, promised, right? But it, it just, it has never really been consistent enough to say that that's the system. No, the system's more of dump and chase and, and be work hard, which is fine. But again, there's no consistency. There's no identity. This team doesn't really have an identity. And a lot of that has to do with the coaching staff. Hey, guys, um, you want another sweet stat from that game? No, boy. There were two players on the Penguins that did not have a point in that game. Marcus Pedersen and Brian Dumoulin. Everyone else had points. And Dumoulin at least had a shot while Pedersen did did not. Yeah. So I just, you look at that and you... The Penguins are scoring at will. They rushed on the ice, put the puck in the net. Ned, again, didn't have a great game because Ned played the night before. And I will tell you, Ned is not the one I'm worried about. This is his first season where he has played a lion's share of the games uh, in front or behind a defense that is not Carolina's defense. No. And he has performed admirably in 98% of his starts and stood on his head most nights had some amazing games highlight real save after highlight real save and again i don't want jeff blashell to ruin ned 
because one position that we had struggled with for several years with Jimmy Howard was goalie and being able to find good backups for Howard, which seemed like never happened. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Jonas Gustafson forever. It sucked. And, and then he had to play in that playoff series against the Bruins. That was fun. So, Remember that? <laughs> no, stop. Jimmy Howard those, was sick. Those memories are locked away, Tyler. Um, but it's, I don't want guys to be scared away. And especially like you said, with the Cerevelli thing where there's considerable friction between Blash and some of the younger players, I don't want one people being scared away or two with free agency coming up players being reluctant to come here because Blashell's the coach. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't let that happen. I mean, that already happened when Babcock was here. You know, towards the end, players didn't want to come here. When when the team probably still had a, had a couple good years in them still, and um, you know they they missed out on a lot of good players that they could have had uh, because Jeff Blashill or sorry Mike Babcock was the head coach. Yeah, I just don't want to miss out on free agents because they see what's happening and they see the reports like the Cerevelli tweet and say I don't want to go to Detroit. Because the coach sucks. The coach won't put me in a position to win. The coach is going to play me bottom minutes because he prefers fucking Adam Ernie. It's starting to turn into a, um, I hate to bring up Mike Babcock because I know, you know, a lot of fans don't like him and, you know, rightfully so, whatever. But it's it's starting to turn into a veteran, like, lean on the veterans it's like there's no reason why adam ernie I, I know he's not really a veteran but he's a little bit of an older guy he should not be playing over philip zadina i don't care if this sam is Gagne, about like development. you said sam, sam Gagne. Gagne. i don't have a problem with Gagne as much as i do ernie i i mean i do when you you saw how zadina played with them yeah true you already no know feel for the game sure is, is really the good way to put it and you already know your bottom six at most times is a shit show. I mean, they pull through some games, but most games, not great. I mean, I assume that's something else they're going to fix in the off season. You're going to have some like Bergeron come in and probably start with middle six minutes, but it's, it's just the, the looking at it and saying, yeah, man, Zadina has been good with, with Larkin and Raymond for like three or four games played very well, got some points had really high possession numbers, was digging in the corner for pucks, carrying it in. He had some, the other day, was it against Philly or against Tampa? Where Zadina had some beautiful plays, like really, really solid shifts. He had a pretty good game against Tampa, I thought, actually, and Philly. And then Blashell rewards him by putting him on the bottom line. Again, if he's, if he's not sick, that's his reward, his bottom line play. Now, is Blashell trying to galaxy brain and say, oh, Zadina's been really good lately and we need to pump up our fourth line? That's not how it works. Not with Zadina. Zadina has shown that he will perform well if you put him with skilled players. Zadina doesn't drive a line. He's not a line driver. That's not what happens. You need to put him with a line driver and he will help with that. I just, it, it boggles my mind. And what's up with the fucking shitty ice at LCA? Apparently they had like 10 events within the 24-hour period. They had the Pistons game. The Pistons game was the night before the noon start. That's a that's a little high, but they had several. They had to fix the ice four times, four times with a fucking fire extinguisher. At least, yeah. That's why. I mean, 
God bless you, Pistons, for trying to come back down to Detroit, but get the fuck out of our arena. I had to text my buddy Al Sabatka to see what's going on here with the ice. Get get out of the arena because it's your or coordinate your fucking schedules because it's embarrassing. You're yeah, no, skating that on slush. Happen. You're skating on slush out there. I had tweeted that the Detroit River is more frozen than LCA. Like, was, yeah. and that that one makes you look bad. Two, lose momentum because you got to pause the game for fucking five minutes to fix the ice every time. They had a gouge that looked like the Zamboni went with a, a blade down and you remember when that the ice happened at, at, at the Joe? Something got stuck under one of the Zamboni bolts fell out or something and gouged the ice. Yeah, something yeah. happened with the the blade. I think it like dropped or something too. Well, too there's far no there's the no hole. blade on the Zamboni. Oh no, that's what it was. That's what it was. It was it was the peg from the net got stuck under got the stuck. Zamboni yep. and put a gash in the ice. Yep. This just seemed like and it happened five times. So they need to figure. That's another thing they need to figure out because that's absolutely uncalled for. Um, Pistons find some find some room to build an arena somewhere because you just it, this isn't going to work. We're kicking you out. I don't think that's happening anytime soon. By the way, no, I don't either. But no. it, wishful thinking. I mean, most most arenas don't have issues with this, and I think you know the Pistons and Wings have played here, um, you know, for a couple of years now. But I still don't think they probably have the full grasp of how to do it all the time because it doesn't doesn't happen that frequently where they have it within a twenty four hour span like that. Um, so I'm probably I'm sure they're probably just getting used to it. But again, yeah, that's that's unacceptable. It needs to, it needs to be better. Um, I'm yeah. That's the theme of tonight is negligence and unacceptable. But is there anything else that we want to talk about before we wrap up? Any key points we want to bring up? Any more lamenting we want to do? Because, I mean, this is just like, I'm pretty sure for the past three years, we have had an episode like this at least twice a year. Oh, easily. I think that's why we had people happen. bitching about our podcast is because yeah. we were so negative. I was like, what the fuck else do you want us to we do? We try not to be and negative. We're bad, but we're going to call them bad. Yeah. Nope. I mean, it's not all sunshine and rainbows flying out of our asses. That's not what's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, we can. Here's the thing. If you're listening to us, you should be listening to us because we can do this stuff. We can yep. say the team is bad. We can criticize the team. You know who can't criticize the team? Art Regner. Art Regner cannot put out a red and white authority bashing the fucking team. He can't do that because he'll Dude. get fired. That's not a, he, he is employed by the Detroit Red Wings to put out nice fluffy little podcasts out into the world. You know who can't do this? Daniela Bruce can't go on and bash the Red Wings. She No, but is, she is fair, I think. Sure. Sometimes. No, she is fair. Yeah. Absolutely. But she cannot if I asked her if I asked her to come guest on this podcast tonight and tell her what we were going to do, there is no way she would have been able to do it. Absolutely not. No. Because she no. would have had to count try and counter all of our points. This is why this podcast is why Darren McCarty says, do not become media because yep. once you become Red Wings media, you have to play nice. Once you become NHL media, period, you, you have to media play nice. credential in general. Yeah. You have to play nice or else your credentials get yanked. Well, the so, other thing is too, and, and I know it's not really the same yet, you know, because of COVID regulations. And I, I actually don't know if, if the beat writers are allowed in the room yet or how, how that's going. They but, were. I think they are still. So you might, so I must be right. Either way, those guys that cover the team, guys and gals that cover the team, they have to face these guys every day. So how would you like it if just say I said what I said about Adam Ernie 
and you're tweeting that out or, or whatever, you're putting that in an article, and now you have to go face them. That's that's some balls. You have to have some balls to do that. And and that doesn't happen nowadays anyways. I mean, you're a professional. You should be able to handle criticism about yourself, especially when the criticism is correct. Right, but what's the easy thing to do? Not Not go there. And that's what they do. They don't go there, which I, I don't, I guess to a fault, I don't blame them. But at the same time, it's like, you got to ask the tough questions. They got to be asked. Yeah. That's your job. Yeah. What I feel like that? the media is afraid. They're afraid to ask questions because they're afraid they'll get their credentials pulled. What I'm so, saying. If we were in Canada, we'd get away with it. Sure. But I mean, you've got Ansar Khan who has, I don't think I've literally ever heard him say a single negative thing. Mm-hmm. People for asking that. Ask tough and, questions and blocks. Pe- yeah. Blocks people for saying negative things. So if you're listening to our podcast, negative things, it's like, why are these guys not doing this? Like you'd, it'd be a <laughs> thing that you would expect a, pe- a person in the media to ask a team not performing well, but once you do no, fuck you fans. I'm not going to interact with you. I'm going to block you because I'm a worthless piece of shit. Hands are here, here, Jonathan Erickson's. Uh, so here's his stat sheet in his advanced stats. Can you tell me how he can improve his game and why he's been underperforming lately? Blocked. I mean, it's you, like I said, if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to I'm this podcast. Alan, I swear to God. <laughs> four, four episodes like this because we're the only ones that can, we're not the only ones. No, we're we've not got, the only ones. We've got uh, Red Wings Rant can do it. Um, Wing Wheel Podcast can do it. We can all yeah, do yeah. negative episodes. We are not credentialed media. We're not trying to be friendly with the team. Although now, Maybe Wing Will podcast can't do it so much because they're starting to get friendly with the team. So maybe they're not going to do so many negative episodes, but we're going to do negative episodes when it deserves it. When we lose 11 to two to the Penguins, when we get blown out on almost, almost a weekly basis, once or twice a week, we're getting blown out. No one had a good one about that. Did you pull Nolan's up? No. The day that, that I'm told I can't be negative about things and I can't be honest about how I feel about this team is the day that I stop doing this because I, I don't want to be negative all the time because I, you know, negativity sells for the most part, but I'm at the end of the day, I don't want to come on here and bullshit you. And so how often have we been truly negative, though, even on a no, team? No, we haven't been. been we, for the That's most the part, thing. I think we've been fair. And I don't like calling out players because, I, like I said before, they work hard. That This is their profession. Um, but my job, or not job, but my, my job on this podcast is to be honest with the fans and, and the people that listen to this podcast and see, basically let them know what I see and what, what you guys see. And that's all we can do here. And so when a team gets blown out 11-2 or gets blown out, what was it, 9-2 against the Arizona Coyotes, yeah, we're going to come on here and we're going to say some shit because it needs to be said. Well, here's Nolan's tweet. The Red Wings have now given up nine-plus goals for the third time in 14 games. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, that's what I was looking for. You found it yeah. a lot faster. I started reading other tweets that he had put out because I was like, <laughs> Also, uh, Dom Lecision said that the Penguins are the first team to score 11 goals in a single game in the salary cap era. First team since yeah. Washington in 2003. Um, and as per SN stats, the Wings are the first team since Tampa Bay in 98-99 to allow 10 goals two times in a season. So yeah, this team is historically bad defensively. I just... One, sorry for this episode being so scattered. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of stuff to kind of 
lament over. And this is the one episode before the end of the year that we can just get all of the negativity out, I guess, before, unless something historically terrible, well, more historically terrible (laughs) happens within the next week, which hopefully it doesn't. But it's, again, one, thanks for listening to it because this is literally our venting session. And um, yeah, yeah, like and retweet the podcast. (laughs) But I want to get your guys's final thoughts before we sign off tonight and i'm gonna start with ryan i don't have any i really don't that that an embarrassing week of hockey to say the least i mean you can say that the philly game was fantastic and we kind of did but yep you did what you should have done against a bad team yep you performed well against tampa but all of that was wiped away with a fucking garbage performance against pittsburgh and they literally like even the memes of Chris Rockins bitch slapped by Will Smith turned into that being Pittsburgh slapping Detroit. Mm-hmm. Like that should sum it up for you right there. Yeah. That's Twitter. a so It's terrible. Already Ryan 33. Yeah. Final thoughts are, uh, you know, this team really needs to get its shit together. Like I said before, obviously they're not going to be in the playoffs, but there's a reason to still play for pride a reason to still um, continue to come in and work hard every single game. And uh, you can't get blown out like that. That's just fucking embarrassing. It's embarrassing as a fan. And I can only imagine how embarrassing it is as a player on a team like that. So um, they need to be much better to say the least. Um, And I think they will be much better um, over the next couple games, at least effort wise defensively. I don't know, man. I did. I don't know what you do, uh, really, um, especially with some injuries to Mark Stahl and stuff. Um, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. Not a lot of uh, positive things to say at this point in time. I don't have anything positive to say. So my positive from this week was I learned how to recock a shower. So I recocked my shower this past week, and it uh, looks really nice. So. Well, there's the positivity. <laughs> you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. Uh, we like to thank the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting our podcast. You can check them out at Hockey Podnet on Twitter. You can also check out Howie'sHockeyTape.com and use promo code Grindline, where you get 10% off your order. You use the same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you get 12% off your order. I also like to shout out our merch shop at Redbubble.com where if you go there and search the grind line, you will find all our cool designs on t-shirts and mugs and whatever you want to get them on. Uh, so go do that. I've been on a um, Photoshop kick lately. And I think for the rest of the season, all of my content is going to be exclusively Oscar Sunquist based because why not? There's only like 16 games left or whatever. So um, go check those out. And how uh, much he looks like Moritz Sider, like a poor version of Moritz Sider. Does he? I don't you haven't see seen some of these he pictures. Got crazy face. That's exactly. A, someone fantastic. someone said a crazy Moritz Cider. Sure, like if Moritz Cider went to Arkham Asylum or something. That's what it looked like. <laughs> uh, and then if you guys go check out Vintage Detroit, uh, go on Twitter, search Vintage Detroit, go to their website. It is the only place that we recommend you get your Detroit jerseys and apparel and stuff from. They are absolutely fantastic. Their work is next to none. And they're just some of the nicest people you will ever meet. Uh, so go check out Vintage Detroit and get your stuff from there. But that is going to do it for us tonight. Uh, thank you for listening to us rant. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.